every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Marie Hillian, Head of Marketing at Livestorm. Livestorm is an end-to-end video engagement platform enabling organizations to create on-demand, live, or pre-recorded events at scale from your browser. Marie joined Livestorm in 2020, where her team developed Livestorm's content strategy and visibility across Europe and North America. On this episode, Marie shares her insights into boosting your video engagement score, adapting your marketing strategy to the mindsets of the region you're targeting, and why it's important to keep your recurring audience engaged. But first, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Demand Gen Visionaries is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified is the pipeline generation platform for revenue teams that use Salesforce. You can intelligently grow your pipeline by understanding the signals of buying intent and having real-time conversations right on your website. You can learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Marie Hillian and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today we are joined by a special guest. Marie, how are you? Hello, Ian. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much. Excited to have you on the show, excited to chat Livestorm and all of your marketing background and the cool stuff that that the company is doing to promote Livestorm to everyone around the world. So let's get into it. What was your first job in marketing? I started in marketing in Dimension doing SEO offsite. It was a student job back in the days. And I worked for Trivago, you know, the hotel company. And my task as a student was basically to build backlinks for a Trivago. So the way I was doing it, it was good, but people before me were not doing it very nicely. And uh, three months into the job, after building those backlinks, funny story, we got a Google penalty. It was harsh. And then after three months, I spent basically six months cleaning all of our backlinks portfolio, disavowing a lot of domains. And, and yeah, and this is how I started in marketing. And afterwards, the SEO offsite department merged with the blog and social media department and it created the content marketing department and then afterwards I was uh, responsible for partnerships. So flash forward to today, tell me a little bit about your role at Livestorm. Yes, so I joined Livestorm in September 2020. So Livestorm is a video engagement platform for meetings and for webinars. And I joined the company and one month and a half afterwards, the company raised a Series B and suddenly we were hiring a lot of people and I really got the chance to build the marketing from the ground up. And now we are currently nine people, including me, and our marketing team focuses mainly on the top of the funnel. So everything from PR, social media, SEO, content marketing, lead gen, co-marketing, and also customer marketing. Tell me about like, where the company is at in terms of like how many customers, how much is your reach and all that? 
Lifestorm is a French company, but we focus mainly on two main markets. So EMEA, France within it, obviously, and the US. We have currently 5,000 customers from SMB to enterprise, and our customers are very different. So a big chunk of our customers are SaaS companies, but we also have many different customers in the healthcare industry, in finance, in government and administration. We have customers like US Botanical Garden or City of West Hollywood. So it's very different types of customers and organizations that are using LifeStorm because we have so many different use cases. It goes from marketing webinar, customer training, sales calls, products, demos. And so that's why our customers are so different. And that's what also makes it fun. Yeah, indeed. Okay, let's get to our next segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree with the nest are we not this is where we go and feel honest and trusted and you can share those deepest darkest demand gen secrets who is the buying committee for the company yeah so we have many different types of personas so originally it was mainly the marketing team so marketers c-levels marketing directors that wants to use a platform like livestorm to do webinars for their marketing activities to reach out to their prospects to generate leads but as the product evolves our persona also evolves and now we also have uh, customers that are in customer success teams that are using LifeStorm for customer training or for customer onboarding. We also have a sales team and sales leaders that want to use LifeStorm for their uh, recurring product demo, whether it's live or on demand, or for the sales calls as well to reach out to the prospects and do meetings in a very structured manner in order to immediately have the recording, immediately have email sequences that they can set out, and not only for to send out reminders, but also to send out uh, follow-ups afterwards. And obviously with the rise of this kind of digital first buying motion and all that sort of stuff, meetings and webinars are more important than ever. But there's a little bit of a different sort of buyer use case for on-demand webinars, automated webinars, things like that versus virtual meetings or virtual events. Can you talk through like how you think about marketing those two different things? There's so many use cases to to market that it makes it very, very interesting. But at the same time, there's so many different personas and so many different prospects that you can try to, to reach. So obviously, it's going to be very different and you're going to address very different needs if you talk about Livestorm for meetings and if you talk about Livestorm for webinars. And so there's different ways of presenting the products. And sometimes it's a bit different, you know. We have sometimes the same features, but we present them in a different way, whether it's for webinars, on-demand webinars, or whether it's for meetings. And recently, actually, we did a big project, and we worked on that a lot, on how we should present Livestorms in terms of features, in terms of positioning to our different persona, and based on their different use cases, because sometimes it's not always the same. Sometimes you have very different differentiating features that are very important for webinars, but that, not, that are not relevant at all for meetings. You know, you always have to balance and make sure that you know your customers very well and that you also know right away, right from the batch, uh, what they want. So this is for the sales team, but also that you adapt a little bit your targeting. And obviously within those different sort of use cases with the different buyers, those decision makers sit at different areas of the C-suite. 
Does your sales and marketing change based off of, or your go-to-market motion change as you have different levels of those buyers? Like how many, how many folks are buying that traditional top-down approach versus bottom-up or product-led or that type of approach? Yeah, so this is something that we're actually working a lot at the moment. So we have different approach to reach those prospects. So what I'm focusing mostly on is the inbound marketing approach, but we also do outbound and a lot of our customers are also purchasing LifeStorm through a self-serve motion. There's many different ways to do it. And what I mainly focus on is the inbound market strategy. So our goal is to produce a lot of interesting content that is appealing to those persona, talking about many different use cases. And we share that content on our blog share that content through email marketing campaigns. We collaborate, we, we launch a lot of co-marketing campaigns as well, working with other partners, other companies, focusing on the same personas to make sure that we reach another audience that we can tap into another database. So this is what my team focuses a lot on. And we got a lot of great success because this is mainly an approach that is free. So obviously you can do a lot of paid activities, but at the very beginning, you can collaborate with other companies and really get a lot of results and really use their database, use their content as well to produce something together and something that works for both audience. So through that, we acquire a lot of leads. And obviously, we worked as well a lot to make sure that those leads are nurtured for marketing automation processes. And we make sure to call them before passing them on to the sales team so they can really work them and reach out to the prospects that make more sense. Okay, let's get to our next segment, the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. This is where you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. Can you share your three uncuttable budget items? Well, it's always hard to <laughs> to cut things, but I would say if I have to pick free, we rely a lot on content and we work a lot with content agencies and translation agencies. Livestorm has, we have our website in three different languages, in, in English, French, and in Spanish. And to produce that content for the blog, to produce those ebooks, those reports, all of this sales content, we work with those content agencies. And we have somebody internally that works as the leader of the orchestra to make sure that everything grows smoothly and that we produce the content that is really a fit to our prospects. So I think this would be the first one because it's really at the core of our strategy. The second one would be the paid budget. So obviously we push our content a lot on LinkedIn, on social, on Google ads. We rely a lot as well to drive the self-serve motions that I was talking about. So to make sure that we get demos and signups to our products. And finally, the third one, I would say everything's touching to the brand. So at Lifestore, maybe a particularity that we have is that we have a very strong brand team internally. A lot of companies at Allsage, I believe, work with external agencies or work with external freelancers. But we have this team internally. And even if it's not a budget per se, but it's a team that we really rely on a lot to create videos, to create visuals, to make our website very appealing. And I think that's something that's very important to us to drive the brand as well in in a category, webinar software, video conferencing markets that is very, very competitive. I want to go into the content piece a little bit first. You mentioned translating into multiple languages. This is like a huge challenge for any team that does content to be able to translate having a presence in France and, and 
US and Germany makes sense. So of course you would do that, but how difficult is that? How do you prioritize that? How do you prioritize which is in which language? And are there any differences between from a language perspective in terms of how cultures are consuming different types of content? Yes, 100%. And great question. So prioritization is the key. You said it. So, you know, even though Lifestorm is a French company and I am French, our production language at the very start is English. So every, all of the content that we produce at the very, very beginning is always made in English. And then we translate it, if it makes sense, in French and in Spanish. And to do that, you've mentioned indeed that there's differences between countries and also between languages. And for me, when I started a live song, it was very important to have people that know a lot the US markets that are not all the time French. And my team is very diverse. We have two Americans working. We have uh, some people that are French, a person that is native Spanish, native from Spain. So I think this is very important to also know the language, yes, but also have that perspective on how things perceive and done in a certain country. And for us, this was the US. And in terms of prioritization, you cannot do everything. There's a limited amount of resources. So as you said, it's very important for us to prioritize. So usually when we create a content, we do it first in English. And if it performs, if it's a web page, if we see that it ranks well, then we're going to translate it in French and in Spanish. But our first language is always English. We test it in that language because we have the most men power or woman power. And then we reproduce in other regions and in other languages. But that being said, sometimes you have to adapt. So some of the certain campaigns that we are running with certain partners, co-marketing partners in the US, we, don't, we are not doing them in France because we find better, more local partners to run them with. Yeah, so that, that's super interesting. Making sure that you're partnering with the right folks, making sure that all of that content is, is being put in front of the right people. Are there any other things or any piece of advice that you would give if someone is looking to translate their content? Yes, I would say prioritization. Make sure also as well that the content is adapted. So obviously you can translate. What is even better is to localize. So when you talk about a study that you've done in the US, let's say, try to maybe have the same numbers or the same study made in for the countries or for the language that you want to, to focus on. Because some countries, and, and, and France is one of them, they really like to have content that is very tailored to the country. So if you run an, a survey in the US, it's great for maybe the US audience, and maybe it's going to be as interesting if you translate it, but then try to adapt it for your market. Because translation is not everything. It's also localization and making sure that you know the habits, you know what is more important in certain regions. For example, what I've noticed, I worked previously at HubSpot for the French market. And even in Europe, the way to do things and to do business is very much different between France and Germany, for example. In Germany, they often are very, very careful about security, about data protection, about GDPR. And in France, it's also important, maybe a bit less than in Germany. In France, what is very important is to maybe have French software. or They, they, they pay a lot more attention to that. And maybe that's something that you should, should adapt as well in your messaging and try to not have the same approach, not adapt only the language, but also try to adapt to the mindsets of the region, the countries that you're going to enter in and that you're going to target. I love it. Obviously, you all specialize in webinars. Do you have any webinar tips for us? Any best advice for, for webinars? 
Yes, so LifeStorm is a video engagement platform, so it's all in the name. I would say engagement is key. So when you want to do a webinar, no matter the platform, make sure that obviously, you know, for the promotion, you have a great registration page, you showcase, you know, all your speakers, that it's custom design in the colors and the fonts of your, of your company. Make sure that you send several reminders before doing the webinar. So what we usually what we recommend is one day before, one hour before the webinar starts. And then during the webinar, what is very, very important is to make it as engaging as possible. At LiveStorm, we love doing panels because usually that works very well and that requires maybe as a little bit less of preparation, a little bit less work on sites. We definitely recommend doing that, but make it as interactive as possible. Start with, by playing a video, make sure that you launch several polls uh, during the webinar, make sure that you ask your audience to ask questions several times. We also love doing fireside chat, either at the beginning or at the end. You know, it's a great way to, especially if you have uh, guest speakers, to bring a nice little touch, unlock the mood, make everyone participate as well in a fun way. And at the end, you also should measure, you know, what was your attendance rate, but also what was your engagement score. We recently launched a new metric, so we call it the video engagement score, to measure how engaged was your audience during your webinar. So not only how long, if they attended, so the attendance rate, but also how long they, they stayed, you know, did they ask any questions, did they post any messages on the chat, or did they vote to any poll that you've published? Because in the end, this is really what the events organizer wants to have. It's great to, you know, do a webinar, have people join in, but during the webinar, if you don't see any questions coming in, if you don't see any interaction, it's going to be very boring as well for the organizer, but as well as for the audience, I think they really want to live an experience and be able to participate to the discussion and not only listen to somebody. It's really, it should be almost like a two-way discussion, even though there's usually a presenter since there's the audience at the, at the other end. You talked about like hyper-localization, things like that. Obviously that stuff plays super well. I'm curious, people oftentimes are trying to get like the biggest webinar attendance. But I'm curious with personalization and certain things you mentioned by country, it makes a huge difference that if focusing on smaller groups of webinars and really kind of niching down into a smaller group or persona is a winning strategy as well. Yes. What we believe at Lifestorm, it's, it's great to have events with a lot of participants, but what we've noticed is with our customers, with ourselves, that the success and the value of webinars is in the fact that it's recurring. So it's great if you're doing one webinar every six months, but it's not going to help a lot your lead generation strategy. It's not going to help a lot your brand. But what's going to help is when it's going to be recurring and your audience is a little bit like a podcast. They know that, okay, the next episode is coming in. They can follow along and have different perspectives and every week different strategies. And this is what I think should be done with a webinar. Make sure that it's not about the size of the audience, but it's about the recurrence and also how people are engaged. Are they asking questions? Are they asking follow-ups afterwards? Do they want to know more about the topics? And if yes, it means that your audience is very engaged and that you already have maybe the topic for your next webinar. So I think for me, it's not about necessarily the size of the audience or the quantity, but mostly about the quality of the audience and how engaged they are. So one of the, obviously the brilliant thing about webinars is that you can have that level of engagement. 
versus the more on-demand content where you take a, a webinar and, and, and have it on demand or podcast series, video series, all that sort of stuff. And I think that like we're in that mode now where you want to be able to offer both. You want someone to be able to engage easily with webinar content and create less friction so they can engage easily. And then you want the on-demand content for them to be able to consume it wherever they want. I'm curious, do you have any best practices or information around usage in that way? Is that the same thing that you're seeing? Is that for people who want to engage, they can easily do it one way or on demand in the other way? I mean, obviously that's where we're going. We've where we've been for a while, but it seems like that's pretty critical for any type of content creation. Yeah, live. So obviously live is always the most engaging, but I would say that it depends on the use cases. On Livestorm, all of the webinars that you can you do live can be turned on demand af afterwards. So it's great because you're creating the content once and then people can register and even see it afterwards. So, you know, that's a perk of it. But sometimes on demand makes more sense, for example, for the product demos. Maybe sometimes you don't want to do the same product demo over and over every week, especially if you have a small sales team. But maybe on your website, you can end, you can end on demand product demo and people can see your product, understand what they can get out of it, understand your services. And that would be a great gain of time for your sales team. Another example of that would be customer training on or employee training. Sometimes on-demand is a really great medium and you don't need to be live. You don't need to be there, especially now where there's so many people working remotely, so many people that are able to work in different time zones. Maybe sometimes, you know, on-demand is the best fit, especially for certain use cases. All right, let's get to our next segment, the dust up. Uh-oh, here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly as we've got punches and kicks. Where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales team, your competitors, or anyone else. Have you had a memorable dust up in your career, Marie? Um, yeah, I think there's a few. The, the most recent one that... I think can be interesting to share dates back to, it was at Lifestorm, dates back to December last year. And I remember it because we worked with the, the marketing team on a web page. So, you know, at Lifestorm, there's so many different features that appeal to so many different use cases. And we wanted to feature all of those features on website pages, you know, and they were categorized, they were very well presented. It was very easy to browse through and understand the platform very easily. And we worked on that with the content marketing team. And just before we had the preview link and it was ready to go live, the CEO and CPO saw it and they had a lot of feedback. So, oh, I would have chosen this feature instead of this one. Why are you not choosing this feature rather than this one? And in this case, it makes more sense to use these important features. And we received a lot of opinions and a lot of them were contradicting as well. So I was not really sure what to do. The project was done. We decided to publish the page, but basically we spent a lot of time afterwards having those discussions. We never really had the discussion of what features should we present. And that goes back to what we discussed at the very beginning. What features should we present, whether it's a meeting or whether it's a webinar. It changes as well, depending on new use cases. And we really made this work of 
going through all of the features, making sure that there was a consistency in the naming of the features, something that we didn't have as well, that we were describing it the same way, whether it was you know, in the marketing department, in the sales department, in the product department. And we created a big feature database where every features was referenced, was in there, and they all had the same names. And it really helped us to make sure that we promote our products in a way that matches to what our customers or prospects are looking for, depending on their use cases, depending on if they're looking for meetings or if they're looking for webinars. It was a, a lot of work, but in the end, I think very, very useful for all of the company. All right, let's get to our final segment, Quick Hits. These are quick questions and quick answers, just like how quickly you can talk to someone at Qualified, if you go to Qualified.com, Qualified Prospects are on your website right now, and you can talk to them quickly with Qualified. Go to Qualified.com to learn more. Quick and easy, just like these questions. Marie, are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, do you have a hidden talent or skill that is not on your resume? Oh, good one. Well, I'm writing a book at the moment, so it's not on my resume. Not a lot of people know it, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying at least. I don't know if it's a talent yet, but I'm trying. Yeah, what are you writing about? Well, nothing about marketing. So that's a good break from the day-to-day, -day, but I'm writing a, a thriller novel. Fantastic. We'll be cheering you on and we'll be ready to read once it's done. Do you have a favorite book, podcast, TV show, or something like that that you'd uh, recommend? TV show. I watched recently The Dropout that explains this whole story with Elizabeth Holmes. It was very interesting. I really recommend it. Is there a non-marketing hobby that you have that might make you a better marketer? Well, I do yoga. So a lot of people at Lifestorm are working from home. We have this working, working remote, so it's remote policy since a while now. And during lunch break, I'm doing yoga. I think it helps me really to disconnect. So it's only, you know, 20 minutes, but definitely I think it makes me a better manager. You know, I have some time to disconnect, tune out or make something different during the day and then go back in the afternoon very refreshed. If you weren't in marketing at all, what do you think you'd be doing? I think so. I studied law. Maybe I'd be working in a company. I really liked work law. I find that this is very interesting because it really has an impact on people. Work is, I'd say, 60% of our day or five, per, five days of a week. And I always found it very interesting to see different cases where people were in certain situation and work law was very interesting. So maybe I'd be doing that. Maybe I'd be back in France and, and doing that. But I'm very happy at the moment in marketing. And what would be your best advice for a first-time head of marketing trying to figure out their demand gen strategy? I would say two things. The first one is simply try, test things out. There's no right and wrong. It's always great to test things out and try to, to find a certain way to launch a project or to think big, essentially. And the second one that is maybe opposed to that is would be try to focus because marketing is always pulled in so many directions. Focus is very important. So maybe spend 20% on your time working on different and big projects and 80% of your time of making sure that your team is focused and working on very sharply and really has a concrete direction. Awesome. Marie, thanks so much for joining the show. We really appreciate it. Any final thoughts, anything to plug? Obviously our listeners go to livestorm.co to learn more such a cool company and obviously webinars are if anything only gaining steam and obviously more than just webinars engaging meeting and webinars any final thoughts 
No, you said it all. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Always happy to discuss, to connect, to exchange strategy. But yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. Awesome. Thanks so much, Marie. The ManGen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.